thing here that uh, we need to hear. So uh, I'm going to open in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this time that we have to hear your word. Lord, I pray that you will anoint our ears to hear what you have. Anoint me in the words, Lord. Help us to receive everything that you have for us. In Jesus' name, <clears throat> amen. Now, I believe everything from Palm Sunday to today had a purpose. We read the Bible and we, we see it and we, we know this, that, but Jesus did everything intentionally. How many know that his time here was not wasted? He didn't just go through the motions. He didn't just come here because everything he did had a purpose. And we're going to look at uh, a couple things and uh, throughout the week here and break them down. Could you, I'm still, am I ringing out there to you guys? No? Okay. Uh, that's all that matters. All right. <clears throat> we're going to start with last Sunday, Palm Sunday. Uh, Eleanor explained to the children that Jesus came in on a donkey and she told them why. Uh, a donkey was a sign of peace. When kings would uh, come in, they would come as humble with that. If they came in with a stallion or uh, whatever, then it came in that he wanted to fight. And Jesus was not that. Jesus came in humble to serve. Amen? You got to get this. Don't make me get my sign out. He wasn't interested in taking over Jerusalem. He was interested in teaching us. He was interested in taking over our hearts. And the cost of doing this was his death. She shared last week with the children that Jesus came in and people were shouting. They had the palms in Matthew 21, verse 9. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Now it was used as praise and we use it as praise today. Hosanna is translated Jesus or Jesus, please save us. Please save us is what Hosanna in the Greek word wave that most scholars believe is a combination of two Hebrew words. Yasha. Don't kill me on these Hebrew words here, um, which means to save or deliver and Anna, which means please, I beseech. Other scholars believe that the Hebrew root come from different verb tense of Yasha, which means to cause or to bring about salvation. So either way, no matter which way that we translate it, it either means to save us or bring us salvation. They were crying out. They knew they needed him. Now, church, let me tell you, today we need to be crying out Hosanna. Because our world, how many know our world is falling apart? How many know the church is falling apart? So we need to be crying out Hosanna. Lord, please save us. Send us salvation. Send it to us. Send it to our church. Send it to our community. Send it to our nation and to our world. The people who were celebrating Jesus' arrival we're quoting Psalms 118, verse 25 and 26, when they, they said, Save now, I pray, O Lord. O Lord, I pray, send now prosperity. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. 
Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They were crying out for him. Monday, on the way back into the city from Bethany, where Jesus and the twelve spent the night, Jesus became hungry. I can imagine walking through the desert. I get hungry walking from here to my car. Hold it. She always picks the perfect times to say amen. Um, but uh, he's hungry, and so he looks around and he sees a fig tree. Now, what's a fig tree supposed to do? Supposed to produce figs. Makes sense, right? But there was no fruit on it. It was full of leaves, but absolutely no fruit. So in other words, it looked the part, knew how to dress, knew how to look pretty, but there was no fruit. On the outside, it looked it, it talked it, but there was no fruit. So he cursed the tree. Now there's a couple examples here. First, this is Jesus explaining that true faith is more than just an outward religion. To live it, we must bear spiritual fruit in our personal lives. If we're true Christians, we're going to bear the fruits. We're going to show it, not just say it. That's why people outside don't want to be like us because we're talk and no action. We need to show what we say. The second thing, I'm going to cover a little bit more about the fig on a different day here. Then Jesus went to the temple on Monday and he confronted those Making a profit. How many have ever heard the story of Jesus tipping over the tables? All right. That's on Monday. Matthew chapter 21, verse 12 here. Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer but you have made it a den of thieves. There's a couple things here to draw from this one story. First, the obvious is that the house of God needs to be uh, reverenced, a place of prayer. We need to be praying every time we're here. That's what we come for, to pray and worship Him. Not just because that's what we do on Sundays, not just because that's what our parents make us do, or for any other reason. We need to be coming here to make this a house of prayer. A house of worship. If we as Christians can't come to pray and worship God, then shame on us. It's not just to look pretty. You can look pretty any other day. We're here to worship the Lord and to pray to Him. We're disrespecting the house of God if we come for any other reason. Now, the second thing I want us to think about is in the time of Jesus, people traveled for days to get to the temple, to get to the house of God. If you're a Christian, your body is now the temple of the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, it says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God and you are not your own. Now ask this question. How many believe, well, first off, how many believe that your body is the temple of God? If you don't, you need to read that scripture again. Okay, so this is the temple of God. And he's saying that they made the temple a den of thieves. So if this body is the temple of God, where the Spirit dwells, 
How would the reality of God's sacred presence affect our thoughts, our work, our recreation? How would we treat this body if we truly know that this is the temple of God? Would we do the things that we do? Would we go the places we go? Would we say the things we say? Would we act the way we do? Would our behavior, anything be different if it's the temple of God? It is the temple of God. Are you making the temple a den of thieves? Tuesday, Peter noticed a fully withered fig tree that Jesus had cursed on Monday. And in Mark chapter 11, verse 20, now in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever you, things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. Now the second lesson on the fig tree here, is that Jesus is teaching us about our faith. He says we're to have faith in God, but not just any kind of faith, not the Christian faith that we see nowadays. We pray for things, get up, well, it must not be His will. That's not the way that He's talking about. Jesus says that having faith in God, not man, not yourself, not the government, but God alone. He says, you can say to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea, and it will be done. But there's, there's a condition there. Let's look back at verse 23. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be thou removed, cast into the sea, what's that second part? And does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things that he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you'll have them. I like that. No doubt. Complete trust in God. That's what it's saying there. Complete trust. The Greek word used here is elibit, which means to take or receive. It's an action word. When it says receive them. So in other words, believe that you have already received it. It's already done. The answer to your prayer is already there. All we have to do is take the action. It's an action word. We have to take it. We have to receive it. We, can't, we sit there so many times. We're like, all right, I'm at church. Pastor, give me what I need. God, give me what I need. And it doesn't happen. Well, it must not be his will. Well, he must not want that for me. We're supposed to take it. It is ours, no matter what it is. Whatever we ask, we're to receive. That means go get it. We have to have that faith that it's already done. Believe that you already have the answers to your prayers. On Wednesday, Holy Wednesday or Spy Wednesday, is referred to as the day of rest for Jesus. They were in Bethany resting. And while they were there, they were in a home and a woman anointed Jesus' feet with perfume. Let's look at Mark chapter 14, verse 3. 
And being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at the table, a woman came having an alabaster flask of a very costly oil of spikenard. Then she broke the flask and poured it on his head. But there were some who were indignant among themselves and said, Why was this fragrant oil wasted? For it might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they criticized her sharply. But Jesus said, Let her alone. Why do you have trouble with her? She has done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always. And whenever you wish, you may do good things. But me, you do not have always. She has done what she could. She has come beforehand and anointed my body for burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever the gospel is preached in the world, what this woman has done will be told in memorial of her. Now, did you get that? He's telling them that this is for a purpose. It's not just something this woman just happened to do. She was being obedient to God. And I can just imagine him saying, what? leave her alone, man. She's doing, she's being obedient. Y'all aren't. She's doing what she's supposed to be doing. He's t- also telling them that he's about to die. He's giving them a clue. I'm not going to be here always with you. In Jesus' day, the body was washed and anointed with expensive oils beforehand and after. And that's what she's doing to Jesus here. He's told them, I'm about to die. And then she's anointing him with oil. There's a purpose in this. But it's also known as Spy Wednesday. Because while Jesus was resting, the plot of the high priest was in high gear. They're trying to kill him. They're trying to find an opportunity, and they found it with Judas, his greed. Satan entered him, and he went to the chief priest and the authorities. Mark 14.10 says, Then Judas, one of the twelve, went to the chief priest to betray him to them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. So he sought how he might conveniently betray them, betray him. Satan took over him. He was being used by Satan. Greed will get us. Now we have to work to pay our bills, but anytime that money becomes our God, we got a problem. Anytime we're seeking that more than we are Christ, we have a problem. And that's the problem with our country. It's all about the money. People vote about the money. I don't care about my morals. What's the best thing for my wallet? We don't have the faith. We need to go back to the previous day about our faith. This is all for a purpose. He's talking to us here. Then on Thursday, we call it Monday Thursday, which means commandment. People call it this because of the great commandment that Jesus gave us in John 13, 34. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also Love one another. By this, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. This, this is how people will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Not if you come to church on Sunday. Because, and it's not even that you read your Bible or you pray. That's not how they're going to know it. They're going to know it because, back to the fig tree, your fruits. Because if you're coming to church, if you're reading your Bible, if you're praying every day, if you have a relationship with God, you can't help but love others.
It's bigger than just that. Jesus and his disciples get together to celebrate the Passover with a meal. And while they're getting together, Jesus sits down and he washes their feet. He didn't do it just because their feet were dirty. He did it for a purpose. He did it as an example to us. John 13, 15. For I've given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who sent greater than he who was sent, who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Now, a lot of churches think that he's saying here that we're supposed to wash each other's feet. You don't have to worry about that. I'm not touching your feet. Not going to wash them. Okay. It's the example that he's saying to be lesser than. Sometimes we walk around arrogant, thinking that we're holier than others, that we're better than others. And we also walk around so selfish, it's all about me. I don't have time to serve others. He's saying we're to love and serve others because we show Christ's love by serving and loving. We're so selfish, we don't have time. We have work and family and time with friends and sleep. And when am I going to have time for others? My calendar's so full. Sadly, we never do. If every Christian here today and around the world would be doing this, we wouldn't, we wouldn't need anything. Ministries would be full. Every church in America is searching and begging for people to serve. That shouldn't be a problem. Look around. We got more people than we need ministries. But we're not serving. We're not doing what he says right here. The example that he says, we're supposed to love others before ourselves. We're supposed to step down and serve others. We're not doing that. We're worried about, I got problems, pastor. I got to pay my bills. I've got sickness in my family. I got a relationship problem. My kids are awful. I got issues coming out my ears. Well, maybe it's because you're focused on them instead of what you're supposed to be focused on. Now, we've all heard of the Passover and communion, but there was more to it this time than ever before. You see, the purpose of the Passover celebration was to remember when the Israelites were to take an unblemished lamb. They were to kill it, take the blood and put it on the doorpost so that the spirit of the Lord would not come in and put the plague on the, their household. It refers back to Exodus chapter 12, verse 12. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Now, some awesome news here is we don't have to do Passover anymore. We don't have to go looking for this unblemished lamb to kill it and put it on our doors. Because as Mark's saying, we already have the perfect, unblemished lamb of God. That's the purpose here. And that's what he's talking about here. That's the purpose of this Passover. It's like, look, this is the last time you're going to be doing this. 
We're going to be doing communion, but it's for a different kind of Passover. It's for the Lamb, which is Him. I love that song, by the way. I get goosebumps and I'm tearing up. I can't cry. I can't cry. I can't get up there and preach. But when you're talking about when you're talking about the Lamb of God and His sacrifice and what He did, and then you in that song He's talking about just being there and looking. If that doesn't give you goosebumps as a Christian, you need to get to the altar because you got a problem. Because that's what this is all about, people. That's why we're here. That's why we have eternity is because He is the Lamb of God. We don't have to do all that anymore. Then they ate. And afterwards, He tells them, someone is going to betray me. And then it's funny, if you read the different books, how they describe it, they're sitting there, and I can just imagine, he's like, one of y'all is going to betray me, and they're like, not it, not me. It's not me, it's got to be him. And then, I, you know, you see the picture, they're all like, it's got to be him. Oh, I know it's him, I saw him the other day. It's In John 13, 24, Simon Peter therefore motions to him and asks, who it was for him, he spoke. Then leaning back on Jesus' breast, he said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is he whom I shall give a piece of bread when I have dipped it. And having dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon. Now, I don't know about you, but that seems pretty clear. He's like, okay, it's the one I'm about to give bread to. He dips it and gives it to him. Right? Now, after the piece of bread, Satan entered him. Then Jesus said to him, what you do, do quickly. Now, he just told them who it was. But then verse 28, it says, but no one at the table knew what reason he had said this to him. For some thought, because Judas had the money box, that Jesus had said to him, buy some things that we need for the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. Having received the piece of bread, he then went out immediately, and it was night. Now, I know the disciples did some amazing things, but, man, they really make me feel good about myself sometimes. Man, wow, I know I'm slow at some things when God talks to me, but he's literally saying, all right, it's the one I'm about to give this bottle to. Here you go. And they're like, wonder who it is. Why is he getting up and leaving? I have no idea. Come on, people. But that, you know, if he, if he can use the disciples, makes me feel good. He can use me because they're slower than me at a lot of things. Now, I could break the days down more and more, but I just want to touch on a, a couple little things here in these, other, these next couple days. Now, Good Friday... Good Friday was the last day of Jesus' life here on earth before his resurrection. He was betrayed by Judas as predicted and denied by Peter as predicted and his disciples scattered. He was arrested and placed on trial falsely. He was condemned, beaten, mocked, required to carry his own cross to the place where he was crucified and died. The soldiers twisted to together a crown of thorns and put it on his head 
He was offered something for his pain. He refused. He chose to face the pain of death head on. They stripped him of his clothes and cast lots for them. Now I want to touch on one important thing here. Jesus went through all of this on a purpose. He could have just died. He could have just said, okay, I'm coming down. I'm going to die. Oop, have a heart attack. He died for us. But there's a purpose again for everything. It was not an accident. Isaiah 53, 5 says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. And then 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24 whom himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes we were healed. Our transgressions, our iniquities, our sins were all taken from us on the cross. Our healing was done when he was beaten. Every time I pray for you guys up here, I say, it doesn't matter what we see. It doesn't matter what we hear. It doesn't matter what we feel. We're claiming it in Jesus' name. And that's because of these verses. It doesn't say that by His stripes we may be healed, or we could be healed, or we might be or should be healed. It says by His stripes we are healed and we were healed. It's already done. It doesn't matter what we feel. I may still feel the pain, but we have to have the faith as he told us earlier that by his stripes, it's already done. He already took the stripes for our healing. He already took everything for our problems, our sins, our debts. He took them all away from us. Now, when he got on the cross in Mark's song, he talks about the two on the cross next to him. There was two prisoners that were crucified along Jesus in Luke chapter 23 here verse 39 then one of the criminals who were hung blasphemed him saying if you are Christ save yourself and us but the other answering rebuked him saying do you not even fear God seeing you are under the same condemnation and we indeed justly for we receive due reward of our deeds but this man has done nothing wrong then he said to Jesus Lord remember me when you come into the kingdom and Jesus said to him assuredly I say to you today you will be with me in paradise amidst the most cruel unfair unjust painful death that a human could possibly endure Jesus to uh, chose to respond to this man in grace. Now, I don't know about you, but being up on the cross, going through everything that he went through, he's hanging there next to death, and someone says, forgive me, take me with you. I know we're just talking about our selfishness. There may be one or two in our country that would do the same as Christ, but most of us be like, dude, I'm just trying to hang on here. My skin's ripping, my bones are breaking. I'm not worried about you. But he responded with grace. Dude, you deserve what you got. I'm innocent. You're both guilty, not me. That's not what he said. He said, today you'll be with me in paradise. 
Now, I heard this illustration online, and it touched me. Can you imagine this man making it to heaven? And he, he goes to the angel. The angel's looking around, and, and he says, Can you quote the Lord's Prayer? He's like, No, I don't even know what that is. Do you know your doctrine of faith? I don't even know what that is. Can you quote any scriptures at all? Help me out here, man. I'm trying to get you in. Nope. Never heard them before. Have you been baptized? No. Hold up. Let me go talk to my supervisors. They discuss it and he comes back and he goes, what in the world makes you think you deserve to be here in heaven? And his answer is what I want you to hear. I can imagine him looking at the angel everyone around him staring at him and he goes I don't deserve to be here except for the man in the middle Whew. man that's why we're able to be here it's not because of anything you can quote you can quote the scripture backward and forward and still go to hell it doesn't matter our knowledge it doesn't matter you could be here every single Sunday every single day of the week be in church that's not going to get you to heaven. It's the man in the middle that gets us to heaven. He's the reason that we can say that I'm going to heaven. That's what makes it. And then there's Resurrection Sunday. Today, we're here. I only need to say one line, and that is on Sunday, Jesus rose from the dead. He conquered death, hell, and the grave, and he rose again. We're here today celebrating this. But it's the whole thing that we need to remember. It's not just today. He did everything for us up to this moment. He set us up because he knew he was going away, and he said, I'm giving you examples. I'm giving you this. I'm taking your sin. I'm taking your sickness. I'm giving you the strength. Here's some faith. I'm giving you the example of love. He's setting us up for success. But we don't, means nothing if we don't take it. We're here to celebrate what he did. We're here to celebrate the man in the middle. We celebrate because the man in the middle died for me. He died for you. And he rose again to go and prepare us a home. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the foundation of a Christian's faith. Without the resurrection, the belief in God's saving grace through Jesus is destroyed. When Jesus rose from the dead, he confirmed his identity as the Son of God. It wasn't just talk. Anyone can die, but he rose again. He confirmed his identity and his work of atonement, redemption, salvation. The resurrection was real, literal, physical raising of Jesus' body from the grave. And through that, and because of that, we can be saved. Can I get an amen? Let's bow our heads. If you don't know Him, you've never accepted Him, whether you're watching today, listening, or you're here. 
if you've never accepted this free gift from the man in the middle, that grace and that mercy. All you have to do, it's there. All we have to do is take it, receive it. Ask him to forgive us of our sins and to come into our heart. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for dying on the cross for our sins so that we could have eternal life with you. Lord, I pray that you will forgive us of our sins. Come into our hearts. Lord, we make you ruler of our lives. Lord, fill us up with all your blessings and your Holy Spirit, Lord. We just thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. For the rest of us, we need to take some time today to celebrate, to worship him. As we're singing, worship him for everything that he has done for us.